Praise God. If you got your Bible this morning, uh, I want to share a couple of passages of Scripture uh, with you. Uh, I want to start in Psalms uh, chapter 8. I remember being in Bible school and uh, coming across, uh, hit the lights, babe, uh, Psalms chapter 8, and it rocked my world. How many of you, you come across something in the Word of God, and it's just like He just, I don't want to say He slapped you in the head, but He just, he just grabs you, and it just it revolutionizes and changes your life. You know, I've narrowed my favorite passages of Scripture down to a couple hundred now, uh, but, but this is, is altogether one of my favorites. And, and I want to look at uh, these three words that the video mentioned there, and that is God with us. I want to uh, examine these, these three words just a little bit because we all know that God is bad to the bone, right? We all know that he's the man and that he is awesome and that he's extravagant and meticulous and precise and he's, he's completely, utterly amazing. But, but the reality is he was willing to be all of that and yet he was willing to be with us. So I want to talk about how God is the man. We're going to look at some scriptures that are just going to show that God is absolutely the man. But also we're going to look at some scriptures that, that he points out to the fact that you're the man, that he sees you, a man or a woman. He values you. He loves you. You're the object of his affection. I mean, you know, Jesus gave up a lot to come down here to be wrapped in swaddling, born of a virgin, wrapped in, put in a manger with a bunch of animals. He left a lot for who? For you. So, so God is awesome. He's the man. But there must be something about us that, that he is so overwhelmingly in love with that he's willing to live to, to leave everything come uh, cohabitate with us and, and die the death of a criminal there must be something about us that is fantabulous if that's a real word I'm not sure it's a real word it's a real word all right I'm just making sure uh, so Psalms 8 is, is where I want to look because you're going to see in this passage of the scripture, he's going to start off talking about how God is bad to the bone, but then he's going to move into man and then he's going he's to clean it back up with God is bad to the bone, right? So if you've got Psalms chapter 8, uh, verse 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, they should have it up on the screen for you if you don't have your Bible this morning. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. I mean, I think that's a good statement. How excellent is our God. His name is above every other name. At the name of Jesus, that, that, that people, that demons tremble under that name. His name is excellent. Who has set your glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. How many have ever done that? that? That you look up and you just consider the work of his hand, his handiwork, the things that he's created. You know, I recently, uh, I went to Mississippi to pick up uh, uh, a gift for my son. Four-wheeler. Don't tell him. Uh, so I went, I went to get him a four-wheeler. And... and uh, is he not in here? No, but don't, don't okay. tell him. It's really a surprise. Yeah, it's a surprise. I should, probably shouldn't tell him. These are good Christian folks. They wouldn't tell on our son like that. These, these, are, these are good Bible believers in here. No, they would never do that. It's narrowed down to y'all. So if he finds out, checking my list. Just kidding. Uh, so, but, but while I, I guess there was apparently, there's like a meteor shatter, shower or something because I'm coming through Tinsall Parish. There ain't nothing out there if you've ever been around Tinsall Parish except for deer. Besides that, there's nothing else up there. 
But, but man, I saw, I just, I, it was like a 50-mile stretch. I had six meteors just falling, like right in the line of my car while I'm driving. And just one right after another, you know, over the course of about 50 minutes, I, I, I'm here. I'm with him here. I'm considering that as David would sit on the backside of nowhere taking care of his sheep under the stars, he says, I consider your handiwork and I consider what your own fingers have designed and placed and I am in awe of you. How excellent is your name in all the earth. There's nobody like you. But then the very next verse it says, And yet what is man that you are mindful of him? And what is the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. That word angels there is actually the word Elohim, which means God. Most translators, they put it as God. Or it says, uh, you've made him a little lower than yourself. And you have crowned him with glory and with honor. You've made him to have dominion over the works of, the hand, of your hand and to put uh, all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. And I'm sure the angels would join David in their a thought of how is it we've seen how many of the angels saw they saw him create the mountains and create the galaxies and they saw all that and yet there's times whenever they have to hang over the banisters of heaven and be like why are you so mindful of this creature we saw you make him out of dirt and breathe your life into him and yet you're mindful of him and not only are you mindful but you visit him what is man that you're so mindful of him why would you leave everything just to be with them, God with us? What is it about us that he likes so much? Because I know my flaws and I know the things I've done and I know my setbacks. And yet he's willing to give up everything just for us. The, the next verse here, it says Psalms chapter 134 verse uh, 14 and 18. It says, how precious are your thoughts to me. Oh God, how great is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. Again, he says, listen, your thoughts that you think towards me, if I could just gather the sum of those thoughts, they would be more than all the sand in the sea. Why is it that he's so mindful of us? Have you ever tried to count sand? Don't. It's pretty... It's pretty pointless. I mean, you're not going to have... And here David, he's saying, listen, I, I don't understand why you're so mindful of me. Not only are you mindful, but the next he says, and you want to visit me. Matthew 18, uh, verse 20, you can put it up there. It says, where two or more gather in the name of Jesus, he says, I will be in the midst of you. The Bible says that he inhabits our praise. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anybody will open the door, then I will come in and I will dine with him and he will dine with me. Well, why does he want to visit us? I'm from Woodworth. You know, what is it about me and all my flaws and my personality and my setbacks? Why does God want to be with us? What is it? And then he goes from, from there and now he moves into, he says, not only do, do, I, do I want to visit you, and I want to be with you. But the next part, he says, he actually crowns us with glory. 
You say, why in the world, what is it about us that he's willing to crown us? The Bible says in, in Genesis that after he created the earth and he created heaven and he created everything, that he made us and we are the crown of all of creation. So I don't care how you see yourself. The, the, the reality is you're the crowning jewel of everything. My wife and I, we've been privileged to be to the Swiss Alps. And, you know, we've got a family in the church right now that's in Colorado. And my, my sister-in-law, her husband, they live in, in Park City. And you go there and you look at all of creation and you look at the mountains and all this stuff. We don't have as scenic stuff in Louisiana. Uh, right, it's pretty. I won't say it's ugly because there are parts of Louisiana that are Swamp is really pretty. That's nice. Kudos, L.A. Uh, there are facets of it, but whenever you get outside of here and you get to some other parts, you find out all of creation. It, it's, it's incredible, and yet he crowns us. He considers us the crown above all of them. Yeah. He, he, he wants to visit us. He's mindful of us more than we can count or hope or think or imagine. And then the next thing he says, and he says, I'll crown you with glory. He says, I want to put my glory. I want to stamp you that whenever all the other lions and the bears and all the other animals that, I, that I've given you dominion over, that they recognize you, that you carry my glory. You are the one that I... I breathe my breath into. I breathe my life into. I gave a spirit that can forever be with me. And I'm sure the angels are like, why, why are you so mindful of these creatures? Why, why, why do you think of them? Do you, do you yearn for them? We're the object of his affection. We're the object of his obsession. And I can tell most people do not live with this concept in mind. They feel like I'm an object of nothing. You know, I, I'm an addict or I'm a reject or I'm, I'm a dropout. They, they never consider the fact that you are the crown of this whole planet. He created everything. He left everything to ransom you. And if you were the only one he would have left everything just for you and you may never walk in it and you may never realize it or never accept it but it's a fact and there'll be a day whenever you get to heaven you're going to realize I was the crown of everything he left everything he was pierced and died the death of a criminal for me I'm everything so good Psalms chapter well we won't go to Psalms we'll go to Isaiah chapter 49 Isaiah 49 Verse 15 and 16, it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child? Well, I would hope not. And have not compassion on her son of her womb. Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. So obviously there are some parents, there are some moms and some dads that reject their own kids, their own nursing infants. They turn them away. He says here, he says, they may forget, they may reject yeah, maybe, maybe you have a mom or a dad that rejected or forgot or abandoned you. But he says here, he says, I will not forget. I will not abandon. I will not reject. But he takes it further. I love this. He says, see, I've inscribed you or I've carved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. I remember uh, my mom had a magnet on her fridge. How many of your mom got magnets on the fridge? Can't even see the fridge. There's so much junk in the fridge. It's like, my God, where's the fridge for all these papers and grandkid things and stuff? You know, it's just covered with a collage, smorgasbord of coupons and 40% off at Michael's and coloring pages, whatever. You got to dig through all that, find the fridge. Ah, 
finally, finally found a fridge here, but she had this magnet and it said, uh, I have carved you on the palm of my hand. And I remember just being like a 13, a 14, a 15, a 17-year-old kid being in high school, coming, uh, coming home and been out, you know, running the roads or whatever, and then get up in the middle of the night, got your tidy whities on, going to go in there and get, your, uh, get, get out the milk. Nobody's looking, drink out of the cabinet. How many of y'all, y'all been there? Y'all all do it, liars. Uh, everybody does it. Uh, open it up, get your swig or whatever, and then you put it back and then close that door. And I remember seeing that as a young man. I've carved you on the palm of my hand. In other words, no matter where you, you may not be thinking about me, but I'm mindful of you. You may not be considering me while you're out living your life, doing whatever you're planning on doing, but I have not forgotten you. I've carved you on the palm of my hand. And we know that the, that the instrument, the chisel and the hammer that he used was that he used the nail to irreversibly carve us, inscribe us on the palm of his hand that for all of eternity he's thinking, he's enamored, he's fascinated for us. It's God with us. Why is it? Well, let's go here to Song of Solomon. I got two more I want to give you and then I'll let you go shop or uh, do, do whatever it is. Oh, the blanks, I'm sorry. Sorry, y'all have blanks on your papers and I'm just, I'm being a bad teacher, I guess. Not giving you the answers to the test. Uh, your first two answers, God is the man, you are the man. The second blank, mm-hmm. yeah, God is the man, you're the man. You don't like that one? You should have proofed it. <laughs> she says, I just put the blanks. Will you put the blanks? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Second blank is this, with nails, God irreversibly carved us into his hands. Praise God, Isaiah chapter 49, we just went over, and that one was, it's on there twice. You didn't prove it. (laughs) Jeez Louise. Song of Solomon, if you've ever read the Song of Solomon, it's kind of a juicy, racy type book. I mean, I know that's what I'm talking about, Song of Solomon. Most people read Song of Solomon and they see it as a man and a woman courting and loving, making out. I mean, there's things going on in Song of Solomon. You're reading, you're like, whoa, my goodness. I mean, some of this, I mean, they go into uh, some detail, but the Song of Solomon is not just about a man and a woman. It's actually about Christ and his relationship with his bride. It's the way that Jesus wants to be with us. It, it's, it's, the Bible says that we're the bride of his, uh, of his, that we're the bride of Christ. And I don't know if you've ever been married or if you've ever been in a hot relationship, you know, where you're courting and, and you're doing everything you know to do. You're texting. I guess these days we didn't have texts like back then. We did uh, shout outs on the radio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what we did. We, uh, KQ, KQID, 93QID. I said, I'd like to give a shout out right now. Uh, to Elizabeth, could you play, uh, you know, some uh, Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Guns N' Roses? If you, if, you could, if you could play that for, then, then, then well, who's it from? Yeah, it's a secret admirer. It's a secret admirer. If you could, if you could do that for a secret admirer, and, and you're pursuing uh, that individual, you're wooing that individual, you're doing whatever you think it would take. How many of y'all do the carnations in school? Wasn't that a racket? Uh, <laughs> so you paid like two or three dollars and then they would bring your carnation that you bought to some girl in some other class and she get like and some girls got all of these flowers and stuff all these secret admirers that'd probably be you 
right? And you're just like, oh, all these, all these carnations. <laughs> and then I came along and... Right, right, the rest is history. Uh, so so you've got a picture here. The Song of Solomon is really a picture of not just a man and a woman, but it goes back and forth between Jesus and the church. And they're conversating back and forth with each other. And I want to show you just a passage of Scripture. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, this is actually Jesus. He says, I am the rose of Sharon. I am the lily of the valley, like a lily among thorns. How many of y'all know Jesus was something extraordinary amongst thorns. He was exceptional. And he says, so is my beloved among sons. Or, or I'm sorry, he says, so is my, my, my love among daughters. Verse 3 says, and now she's going to pick up and she's going to talk. And she says, like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in Jesus' shade with great delight and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house. I mean, I know Jesus has brought us and you're like, man, Jesus, why did you choose me? Why did you pick me? Why did you create a table before me in the presence of my enemies? Why do you stand at my door and knock so that you can come in and dine with me? Oh, why are you so mindful of me? And here he says, he says she's saying, she says, he, he wants me to come to prom, <laughs> right? Come down the aisle to the marriage supper of the bride. He says, and then the next one part, I love this. And he says, his banner over me was love. How many of y'all sang that song whenever you were a kid? I remember singing it when I was a kid. His banner over me. I don't even remember how it goes, and I'm not going to attempt to sing it. No. <laughs> his banner over me is love. I, I love that, that, that she's saying, listen, the, the way that he sees me, the banner that he flies over my shoulder is a banner of love. And most time the banner that we fly over our own shoulder is, you know, I'm, I'm oppressed or I'm depressed or I'm broke or I'm sad or I'm rich or I'm prosperous or, or whatever our banner is, the way that we see ourselves, whether it's good or bad, addict or, or, or sober or sane or insane, we all have this banner, but Jesus... He flies a different banner, and he's invited us to the banquet hall, and the banner he flies over, he just comes and just erases whatever, whatever we think we are, and he's always trying to bring us to a point of realization that, listen, my banner over you is love. The next part, he says, sustain me with cakes of raisins. Refresh me with apples. They didn't have very good desserts back then, you can tell. They didn't have, like, bonbons and Twinkies who went out of business, but... but you know, they had like cakes of raisins. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> this is gross. Uh, sustain me with cakes of raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I am lovesick. Can't you just see Jesus talk about being lovesick with us? Man, why are you so mindful of us? And then he says, he, his, his left hand is under my head. His right hand embraces me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken until... A love until it pleases the voice of my beloved. Behold, he, Jesus, comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind my wall. He looks through the windows, gazing through the lattice. My beloved, he spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, come away, for lo, the winter is past. Some of y'all know Jesus says, The winter's past. Your past is past. And you may have gone through some darkness and some coldness and some ice and some snow. But he says, it's time for you to rise up. It's time for you to get up, to recognize the banner that's over you. 
And he says, he spoke to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, come away. The winter's past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its green figs, and the vines and the tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Of my do- uh, 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 oh, my dove in the cleft of the rock, in the secret places of the cleft, let you hide your face. Let me hear your voice. He says, I want to hear your voice. Your voice is sweet. Your face is lovely. I love that. I want to tell you, God, he he wants to be with you. He left everything to be with you. He values your voice. He values your face. You say, I don't feel valuable. I'm telling you, you're the crown jewel object of his affection. He left everything to be God with us. Your voice, your face, everything you can see. He's jumping like a gazelle. My God, how many, how many other ways can they describe how he wants, he longs to be with us? He wants it. He says, uh, but, but now he gives us a warning. How many of y'all love when the Bible gives us a warning? Verse 15, he says, catch us the foxes because it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. For our vines have tender grapes. My beloved is mine and I am his. He feeds his flock among the lilies. You know, there's lots of little foxes in our life that come and eat away at uh, the way that we should rightly perceive our relationship with God that we have rejection and abuse and past and you have all these things that come in, you know, the horrible tragedy that our nation experienced in Connecticut. I mean, you can just imagine that, 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 that these people, they feel abandoned and they feel lost and they feel rejected and they don't feel like uh, that God is real or tangible and foxes come away and they eat away at them. And if people don't surround them with faith, hope and love, then, then they may never recover emotionally they may never get past what happened up there so he's warning us he says don't let little things come in don't let your past the winter is gone it's time for you to get up last one i want to give you this morning isaiah chapter 40 isaiah chapter 40 his banner over me is love isaiah chapter 40 verse 11 The Bible says he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. How many of y'all feel like Jesus carries you in his bosom? Most people don't like, I feel like he's chasing me with a flask water, like my grandma used to do. How many of your grandma used to chase you with a flask water? Or switches. Did y'all get switched? Switches. I said, yeah, switch. Oh, man. Nothing worse than a good switch. And he says, listen, he carries us in his bosom, bosom, Bosom. Uh, he says he gently leads those who are young. Verse 12 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Who's measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure? Who's weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who's directed the spirit of the Lord or his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him? How I many I know God doesn't take instruction? From others, there is nobody that can instruct him in knowledge or wisdom or grace. There is nobody. He he alone uh, holds the span of the universe in his hand. He alone measures the jars, measures the ocean in jars. He alone is capable and able to do these things. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is him 
who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain and he spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Man, I, I, we, we've been privileged to go to some different things and you just feel like there's a curtain that just gets ripped away and opened whenever you see some of the things that God has created and Him and Him alone. And if we go back to Psalms 8, you've got David and he's sitting there and he says, Oh Lord, oh Lord, how excellent is your name. I've considered your handiwork, the things that you've accomplished, and yet why are you mindful of us? Why is God mindful? Why does he want to visit us? Why does he find our face, our voice, everything about us sweet and endearing? And the only, the only obvious answer is, is because we're his kids. There's only, I, have, I have kids now. Before I had kids, I didn't really quite understand. But now uh, I, can, I can lay there and I can watch my kids breathe. And one of them has horrible morning breath. I'm not going to say which one because now you'll be all jacked up, messed up. But one of them, you don't even want to be within about eight feet of that sucker when it's sleeping. But yet I can stand there and I can watch it. And, and my thoughts, my plans, and my dreams towards them are like the sand of the sea. You can't number them. You can't come up with it. You can't fabricate my own dreams and my own thoughts and my own will and my own intent for my own kids. You just can't put a number on it and there's nothing that they could ever do to separate themselves from my own love. And I would leave everything. I would give up everything. You could crucify me and stab me and stone me and kill me. There's nothing that I wouldn't freely, over the top, overwhelmingly give if it would save them just one iota. You know what iota is. Just save them just one bit of of death or, or tragedy, I would do anything for my own kids. And, and that's, that's how God views and sees and he places a banner over us. No matter what my, my own kids do, the banner I always fly over them is love. Yeah. That, that's the banner. They fly over. They come over and say, I did this. You've got to be kidding. That's my first response. But then the second response is, you know, I fly that banner over them no matter what, regardless of what. And, and the enemy, the devil, uh, Beelzebub, Satan, you know, most people don't like to say, they don't like to talk about Satan. And most, a lot of people don't like to say the name of Jesus. They'll pray in a lot of ways, but the name of Jesus is pretty controversial. And then the name that say Satan or the devil is even more controversial. People don't say that a whole lot. But, but, but. His tactic is, how many of y'all know the devil could never hurt God? He's not going to do anything. The Bible says that God cast him out of heaven like lightning and put him in utter darkness. There's nothing that the devil could do to harm God. The only thing he could do to harm him is get to us. That's it. His, the reason that we're the object of his targets and, and, and that he comes after us is because that's the only way he can get at the heart of God. Because the devil knows th this book better than I know it or you know it. He knows how much God is enamored with us. He knows how much he's crowned us and given us his glory and his name and his own blood. He knows that we're the object of his affection. So he comes after us because by coming after us, then that's how he hurts the heart of God. But as we come into knowledge of, man, Emmanuel, God is with me. Regardless of my past, regardless of the winter or the rain or the storm, the, 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 the sun has come. 
Emmanuel. He's with me. God is with us. He wants to be with you intimately. He wants to know you. He wants to spend time with you, hear your voice, see your face. So I encourage you this, this Christmas, I'm telling you, it can be bananas. I mean, I know, oh, goodness, I don't even want to leave the house uh, from like the past couple days. I decided, oh, I'm going to cross the river. We live in Moss Bluff. And then I came over there, what is the river by Target, and it's like bumper to bumper, bumper to bumper, bumper to bumper. And I call her, I'm like, oh, Lord, is there a shortcut? Is there any way I can just like turn and revert and get around? I mean, this, this season can get about a lot of other stuff. It can, get, it can get really hectic. And I, I told, I guess, Mandy, or I told somebody else, I'm ready for it to be over. I, I'm ready for it to be over that side of it. But this side of it, we don't ever want to be over. The, this reality of who we are in him, his, his affection towards us that, that we never want to allow anything to get away from. He's with us. He's for us. He loves us. He wants us. He's God with us. Praise God. You want to say anything? Yep, we'll pray together. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father God, that you're awesome and you're wonderful. And we, we, we're so uh, thankful for you and how uh, wonderful you are to us. And, and what is man that you're mindful of us, that you, you think about us more than the sand of the sea and you visit us and you crown us with glory. We're forever indebted and forever uh, eternally grateful for how you see us. I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that this Christmas, they, it can be a dark time for people, but I pray for the light of the gospel, the good news, the same thing that, that Peter gave Cornelius, that they see that you, Lord Jesus, that your banner over them is love, that you're the affection of their heart, that you're their all in all. I pray, Father God, for every person this Christmas that we value our relationship with you. Emmanuel, God is with us. I thank you, Lord, for how good you are. Praise God. I want to give you opportunity. If you're here, some of you, there's several of you have never been here before. Uh, I, I, want to, I don't want to leave this uh, atmosphere without you having an opportunity to be saved, be born again. Maybe you say, I don't feel like the banner over me is love. I have a banner of rejection or addiction or, or maybe it's pride. It could be anger or whatever it is. And you say, I need help. I just would like prayer today. Even if you've maybe been born again, you say, I've been born again. I got saved in Sunday school or something like that. But you say, I, I need uh, God to work in my heart. I need Him. He's with us. I just want you to know He's with you. He's for you. And uh, He wants to hear your voice. He wants to see your face. But Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And, and we have to open the door. We have to open that thing up and allow Him in. If you're here this morning and you say, I, I need Him to come in this Christmas, this year. I need him. If that's you, I'd ask you to raise your hand. Is there anybody like that? Yes, ma'am. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? We'll just take a minute. I'm not going to call you down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you uh, to acknowledge. Yes, ma'am. I see that hand. Thank God for his goodness. How awesome he is. He works in us. Anybody else? We're going to pray together and just set our attention. The Bible says set your affection on things above. 
and we all have to do that. You know, preachers have to do it. Everybody's got to take times in their life where they're just like, God, uh, again, once more, I dedicate my life to you. Is there anybody else before we pray? Praise God. We're going to pray this together as a church family. Uh, I just ask you to repeat after me and let it register in your heart. I wouldn't just uh, ask you to say something and you not mean it. But, but if you mean it, then let it uh, register with your insides. Everybody say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I recognize your banner over me is love. I am the object of your affection. You left everything to be with us. I love you. I honor you. I receive you. I believe you came born of a virgin. You grew up and you died on my behalf and you are risen from the dead. I confess you're my Lord. You're my Savior. But also, I love you and you love me. You follow me. You search for me. You're mindful of me. And I thank you that you visit me. I thank you, Lord, for Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to mention one thing. This has nothing to do with your feelings. Everything he talked about today is it's fact. God feels that way about you no matter Amen. how you feel about yourself. When you look back and you count all your mistakes or you look at all your, your mishaps or your failures, I just want to encourage you that no matter, put all that aside, God loves you unconditionally. So it doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter how you see yourself, because God sees you in a completely different way in the light of the Word. So when you spend time reading your Bible, when you come to church and you get in the Word and you hear what God thinks about you, you see the plan that He has for your life. That's when everything can start to change, and you start to line how you see yourself up with. That's how God sees me. That's what I should think about myself. Not be so concerned with other what other people think about you, or what you think about yourself, but really what God has to say about you. Amen. I love whenever the angel came to Mary, she says, Mary, you're blessed among all the other women. And he says, you're going to conceive and you're going to have a child. And his name will be Emmanuel, mighty, excellent. And if you studied out all the list there of all the things that he is, but first and foremost, he's God with us. He came to dwell among us, dwell with us.